0: Welcome to Alicia Asks, a podcast series where I ask questions to get to the bottom of the topics I'm curious about. I'm your host, Alicia Kane. This week's segment is Questions from Quarantine. Amidst the chaos caused by the COVID-19 pandemic, nobody is left untouched. Though less than 1% of the global population is actually experiencing the virus itself, everybody is feeling the effects. From travel bans, countrywide shutdowns and layoffs to self-isolation, social distancing, and plunging stock markets, we are all touched in different ways. Today I will be chatting with Karen Brindley. You making it through the
1: quarantine? Yeah, you no. Know, um we live kind of in isolation, so it's normal for us. So it's just another day for us. <laughs> You know, we're probably less affected than a lot of people, other than, you know, it did tank our stocks.
0: Karen is from Indianola, Washington, a rural village located on the Kitsap Peninsula, known for attractions such as their dock, Indianola Days, and being a retreat for Seattle's wealthy. Karen and her husband Sam described themselves as summer gardeners and winter travelers. In fact, Karen and Sam were just traveling abroad in Spain and returned home only 2 days before Spain shut down completely due to a growing number of cases of COVID-19.
2: Karen, when you and your husband left for vacation on February 24th, was the coronavirus even on your mind at that time?
1: It was on our mind, but it hadn't really hit the United States yet. It wasn't in Barcelona. It wasn't in Majorca, so while it was very present in the world, it hadn't hit us directly yet.
2: Did you guys take any extra precautions, or were precautions even really on your mind?
1: Oh, definitely precautions. You know, we, of course, knew we were flying through Paris at some point, so we took a lot of antibacterial and antimicrobial wipes, we had, uh, you know, probably four bottles of sample hand sanitizers. And uh, we had the mask just in case because we were going to be on a flight. We didn't use them. Uh, people were fairly spaced out. There were a couple of people that were sitting near us that had masks on. Uh, but, but we didn't feel that we needed to because of the distance between us.
2: Now, when you left, did other travelers seem to be anxious or taking extra precautions or talking about the coronavirus at that point in February?
1: I would say not to us directly. We travel a lot, and we had been in Italy, so a lot of people confused our Spain trip with us being in Italy, and we had to handle a lot of those questions. But on the flight, there was definitely an impact. The seating arrangement was two seats, four seats, two seats. And in the middle of the plane, there was only one person seated in that four-figure arrangement. And so those people were able to stretch out and sleep for the flight. And we had gotten comments from one gentleman, about why we weren't wearing our masks, because he was terrified. In our travels, we've certainly observed uh, the Chinese and other populations wearing masks as more of a fashion statement and, you know, their status quo. I think it hit home mostly when we returned to the States and we were going through our TSA uh, checks, and and the majority of the people wearing masks were Asians Uh white people weren't wearing masks, other people of color weren't wearing masks, but the masks that were on seemed to be almost solely Asian descent. And and it felt like they were maybe trying to ward off a stigma.
2: Definitely. I know that has been a problem for a lot of even Asian Americans who have not been to China in years or maybe even in their whole lifetime, dirty looks. But that's an issue that a lot of Asian Americans are facing right now.
1: Yeah, and a lot of these people were employees of the airport. So uh, the second we disembarked, uh, the people with the wheelchairs and the people assisting uh, folks were wearing masks and then, of course, in the TSA area where we had to go through customs uh, there were probably uh, maybe 30-40% Asian descent and every single one of them had a mask on.
2: Makes sense working in an airport to um, come into contact with so many travelers during this outbreak. I am also curious, at what point in your travels did the coronavirus become a real concern?
1: Almost immediately, we were in Barcelona for four nights prior to going to Mallorca. And we uh, were, of course, watching the news. And a family that had just traveled from Italy were in Barcelona and tested positive. And we looked at where they were staying, and it was a hotel Right across the street from Sagrada Familia, which is is a famous um, historic place to visit, which quickly got checked off our list as we're not going there. And Definitely. then we went to Mallorca. And when we landed there, there were no cases. But again, within a few days, there was a report of a family that was in Inca and they were in quarantine. As we were continuing our vacation, uh, you know, the the reports increased. We started hearing about Seattle and the Life Care Center there. We also were hearing about uh, Paris and that was in our path uh, for going home. And so we were concerned that Charles de Gaulle would get closed. And at that point, we started looking at how we could get back home We looked at flights through Munich and Frankfurt. So just in case uh, things went sideways, we could get home. Were there any challenges trying to get home? We were pretty fortunate. We decided to stick with our original plan. We went back to Barcelona and our flight left at six in the morning, so the airport was fairly empty. And then Charles de Gaulle also was fairly empty at that point. But as we all know, within two days of our return, all hell broke loose and, you know, the ban, travel ban was put in place. And, of course, we had that major clog in all of the international airports. So we feel very, very fortunate that our timing worked out. Very, very lucky. Did you notice any precautions that
2: Spain was taking in the days leading up to the shutdown?
1: That was very disappointing. We expected to spend a lot more time with TSA agents and, and having additional questions or different procedures, and there was zero change in what we were asked. You know, they knew we came from Spain. While it was Barca, actually at that point, you know, it was Paris, ultimately. But... Um, there was really no change in protocol, and that was disappointing.
2: What about in Spain itself? Um, Here in the United States, we're seeing restaurant closures. We're seeing job layoffs. We're seeing gyms closing. Did you notice
1: anything like that in Spain while you were there? Not really, because at that point, it it was mostly isolated in Madrid. We did experience a lot of reduction in tourism. We stayed in a three-apartment building. The other two apartments canceled their vacation. So there was a lot less tourism. So the restaurants or wherever we frequented, they were definitely glad to have our business. One place that we stayed is called saint Brule, and it's a kind of high-end resort with a lot of tourists. And we made dinner reservations at their formal dining room. We were the only customers there.
2: Wow. So did it seem too different from normal Spain aside
1: from the reduced traffic? We had been to Barcelona before, and I would say there wasn't a lot of difference. There were masks. You know, we didn't hit the major tourism spots like Sagrada Familia because of the COVID cases. So I don't know what that was like. We did some things that were more out of town, you know. So subconsciously, you know, that was on our mind and we were definitely steering clear of crowds. The Los Ramblos is a very popular place and we could hear chants going on and something major happening within a few blocks of where we were staying. But we didn't go. We would go to places early in the morning. We would make sure we sat where there weren't a lot of people. Uh, But things were open and people were pleasant and there were still quite a few tourists, a lot of them Americans. We didn't see the normal Chinese, Japanese population that we normally see on vacation.
2: On your flight home, did things seem different than on your flight there? Were people taking more precautions? You said you returned on March 10th in those approximately 16 days. Did the attitudes of other travelers seem
1: to change? I would say yes. Uh, We were in a hotel in Barcelona near, near the airport the last night. You could tell it was a very low population. Most of them were Americans. Most of them were on our flight. And one couple had returned from a cruise. And, of course, we distanced ourselves from them. <laughs> and you did see people using hand sanitizer and keeping space from one another. Definitely
2: have that social distancing aspect on the plane. But I know it's hard. Um, you said there was, like, 40% capacity
1: on the plane filled up on your flight home? Correct. Definitely on the way over. On the way back, uh, we decided to upgrade to first class, just mostly so we could get some sleep and then also some social distancing. And there were probably maybe a 10th of the people that would normally have been there. So there was no one seated close to us. So to our left and to our right, there was nobody. There was one guy behind us, another row of empty seats.
2: Upon arriving home, how has your daily life in Indianola changed?
1: Ah, well, uh, wisely, we're in self-isolation, with the exception that I went to the grocery store, took uh, advantage of jet lag, and got there at about 6 in the morning. The carts had been sanitized. There was food, for the most part, on the shelves at that point. They sanitized the keypads after each customer came through, which I appreciated. So that was a fairly normal experience. There had been a run on chicken and beef, but I've heard that the shelves are empty again. Came home, you know, we're kind of uh, well stocked because we have lots of company. And so I have a huge pantry and I call myself a prepper, not the malicious style, but of the Martha Stewart style. You know, at any point, I can offer you a charcuterie platter with no trouble. And um, (laughs) I had my first pantry. Oops, I didn't have any pepperoncinis. But uh, (laughs) we can literally eat out of our pantry for a couple of months. So for us, we already live in a fairly isolated area. So it's not been a huge impact to us. However... We do open our gardens to the public, and we're on a major tour in June, and at this point, we don't know that that's happening, but we're still preparing the garden as if it will.
2: Um, are you thinking about shutting it down, even if you are not
1: ordered to do so? We have two types of garden shows that we're doing this summer. One is Northwest Perennial Alliance, and those tours are fairly self-guided. We would still open for that because people can kind of wander the garden on their own and we don't have to interact. The other one is for the Garden Conservancy and we will have up to 300 people through in a single day. That one concerns me. Normally, we will have international travelers when we have those shows. I haven't heard from the Garden Conservancy that they're canceling them yet, and I am debating if they don't, if we will. Big
2: decisions to make. I know a lot of people are making business decisions and decisions on events, including weddings. Like, should we have our wedding? Should we not? Everyone is really in that boat right now.
1: Yes. Yes. And, you know, and it's unfortunate, but I think for the good of all that, we all just need to hunker down for a bit and keep our germs to ourselves. Do you have anything else to add on your trip to Spain and
2: how it was impacted by the coronavirus?
1: I would say if we knew then what we know now, we would not have gone. We're glad we had the experience. It was beautiful. But were we lucky?
2: Very, very lucky. Karen, thank you so
0: much for your time.
1: Well, thank you for asking the questions and getting a story out there.
0: Thank you for listening to the first episode of Alicia Asks, bringing you questions from quarantine. Stay tuned for more episodes bringing you stories on the effects of COVID-19 how the pandemic is affecting the lives of everyday people, and how some are making the most out of this time of self-isolation and social distancing. This has been Alicia King.